and welcome to Theology Matters. This is Dr. John Clark, and today we want to continue our study on the topic of justification. We've been looking at uh, a couple of different uh, types of justification used in the Bible, and again, just by way of definition, justification, simply put, means a, a declaration of righteousness. And the question we need to ask in every text that we're in in the Bible is, who is being justified and who is being justified by whom. And um, one of the things we realize is when Paul talks about the, t- the topic of justification, uh, he actually uses it uh, in the concept of, of God justifying somebody who puts their faith in the person and finished work of Christ. In other words, God is the one declaring somebody righteous and the only prerequisite needed for that is for someone to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. James, on the other hand, is talking about a different type of justification. He's talking about a declaration of righteousness by man uh, for another man. And his whole argument is that the believer would live out the Christian life. And that's why in verse 14, when he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him. James is not talking about salvation from the penalty of sin there. He's talking about salvation from the power of sin. He's talking about, can a man be sanctified if he doesn't live out the good works that God has designed for him to walk in? We go back to Ephesians 2.10, recognizing that God's ultimate purpose for believers after they've been born into the family, after they've been declared righteous by him through faith alone, is that verse 10 tells us, um, in fact, let's jump back up to verse 8 because it, it covers both of these justifications that we're talking about. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's justification before God. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so justification before God does not involve any good works. It involves faith alone in the good work that Jesus Christ performed on the cross. Verse 10 though, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has got a purpose for believers and that's to live and walk out a life of good works. And this is why in James 2.17, kind of the first concluding point for his section, he says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And remember the word, normal biblical definition for the word dead is separation. It's not annihilation or non-existence. James is not saying that that this type of faith without works uh, implies that their faith did not exist. He's not saying that this type of faith without works implied that the person has lost their faith. He's not saying that this type of faith without works implies that one never had faith. In fact, if James wanted to communicate that, he could have. Um, if faith is dead by definition, then it had to have existed. You don't describe things that did not exist or that do not exist as having died or being dead. That would just not be an appropriate description. So what is James saying? He's saying simply this faith by itself without works is dead or separated. But the question becomes separated from what? And I'll propose three things separated from God's purpose for the Christian's life. We just looked at that in Ephesians 2.10, separated from the benefit in our daily lives that fulfilling God's purpose brings to us personally, and i.e. that fellowship with the Lord that we miss out on when we're not walking by faith. 
And then we're also separated from the future benefit of reward at the judgment seat of Christ. And so there's uh, this type of faith by itself in the Christian life is dead. It's separated from God's purposes for the believer. The other thing we see is that faith without works is useless. And James is going to uh, further strengthen his point with two Old Testament examples. And what we're going to see in verse 20 is he says this, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Do you want to, do you want to see that what I'm saying is true? In fact, he calls him a foolish man or an empty or hollow man. And, and James is basically saying you're your life without works is practically useless to yourself and to others. It's like a cup with no drink in it. And so he uses uh, a different word here translated useless than he did in verse 17. This work means he's not at work. He's idle. He's inactive. Uh, he's slothful. Second Peter 1.8 uses the word barren and uselessness is likened to unfruitfulness. And so uh, again, he, he uses Abraham as an example. And in verse 21, this is why he says, uh, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And, and notice he does not say Abraham was justified by faith and works. He simply says he was justified by works. And so again, that begs the question, who justified Abraham? Well, definitely not Abraham because the verb is in the passive voice. And see, most of the time we assume when we see the word justification that it's enacted by God, that God is the one justifying Abraham here. But there is another potential option, and that's the one we're putting forward, is that this is justification by men. Because when did this justification happen according to verse 21? Well, it was when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his son, on the altar. And that's found in Genesis 22. And so this gives us a hint as to who justified Abraham when he was willing to sacrifice his son. Because in Genesis 15, God justified Abraham simply when he believed. This happened some 40 years earlier. So the question is, if God justified Abraham in Genesis 15, when he simply believed God, then who justified Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac? And again, notice verse 22, do you see? And again, James is emphasizing what his readers can see in terms of justification of Abraham. And so this indicates that this is a human justification, not a divine justification. God sees faith and does not need to see works. But man, in contrast, cannot see faith and needs to see works in order to declare somebody righteous. And this is why in verse 25, very similar argument he says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? And so we see Abraham who had believed God when she heard the stories of the parting of the Red Sea, the assassination of the two or the, the execution of the two kings on this side of Jordan, Sihon and Og. That's when she believed God, but her faith was manifested in action when she did what? She received the messengers and she hid them and sent them another way. So again, God sees faith. He does not need to see works in order to justify somebody, but man cannot see faith and thus they need to see works in order to justify somebody. And so again, going back to justification before God, 
is obtained when a person puts their faith in the person and finished work of Christ. Justification before men is obtained when a person does a good work or does multiple good works, plural, that someone else sees or hears about, then they are declared righteous by that person. And then we've got a third aspect of justification, and this is a justification of self. And this is obtained when a person attempts to make themselves look righteous to someone else, even if they may not be. A couple of great examples of self-justification uh, is found in the Gospel of Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, notice this, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so this is when Jesus then goes into the story of the good Samaritan. But notice that he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to say, yeah, I, I do love my neighbor, but but who's my neighbor? Let me just make sure. Um, and, and he was kind of justifying like that he didn't have to love everybody was kind of the deal. Luke 16, uh, another example of self-justification, verses 14 through 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And so you see there are some religious people who are more interested in declaring themselves or righteous before other men than actually obtaining a righteousness that is given by God or that or a justification before God. It's 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 tragic, but that's true of many religions. And so again, with justification before God, it's based solely on the finished work of Christ. Justification before men and and self-justification is based upon a person's good works. Either somebody sees it and declares somebody else righteous, or somebody is very pleased with what they are doing and they declare themselves to be righteous. Justification before God is, again, obtained at a moment in time when one believes in Jesus and can never be lost by one's behavior. Justification before men is also obtained at a moment in time or uh, when someone sees the work or hears about a good work, but it can be lost due to lack of ongoing good works or a lack of knowledge of ongoing good works. In other words, uh, your neighbor mows your lawn for you uh, two weeks ago and you say, wow, what a great guy. What a, what a righteous guy. What a good person. <clears throat> but then yesterday, uh, he, he backed up his truck and he, and he ruined your lawn and you say, Whoa, what a jerk. What a not. So, so if he doesn't have the ongoing works, he, he could lose that justification before men very quickly. Uh, the same is true, uh, with justification before self or self justification. Um, this is obtained at a moment in time when one convinces another of their own righteousness. But again, it can be lost if another person is no longer convinced or somebody does something really good that they're proud of and they're 
they're justifying or declaring themselves to be righteous. And then they realize later that what they did actually was of no help to somebody. They may not think so highly of themselves at that point. And so lots of, lots of variation and justification before man and justification before self, because the observation, it's, it's, it needs to be an ongoing observation of action. And, and that's in contrast to justification before God. Um, justification before God is needed to spend eternity in heaven. It's needed to have your sins forgiven. It's needed to be born into the family of God. Justification before men is, is needed to be viewed favorably by others in our sphere of influence. And also justification before self is, is also the same way. Justification before God is the only accurate justification in the world. God makes no mistakes. He knows who has and who has not put their faith in his son and his finished work. And that's why it's a done deal guarantee the moment somebody believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, because God uh, declares that person righteous in that moment. But justification before men is, is accurate sometimes, and it's inaccurate sometimes. Many people are fooled by other people's good works, and they don't realize the bad motives behind those good works. And sometimes motives are evil or self-serving, even though the works appear to be good. And so this is why justification before men is not 100% accurate all the time. The same is true of self-justification. It's accurate sometimes. It's inaccurate at other times. Many people deceive themselves as to their true motives for declaring themselves righteous. Uh, again, we see uh, a great example of that is, is poor Job. You know, as he was suffering, he was declaring his righteousness. And then God comes down uh, and, and begins to ask him questions. And Job says, oh, never mind. I wasn't, I wasn't evaluating that accurately. Justification before God is regarding one's permanent standing or position before God. Justification before men and self-justification is regarding one's present standing or temporary position before men. And so we can see that the scriptures clearly teach different types of justifications. And so it's imperative on us as, as Bible interpreters, if we want to understand the Bible correctly, um, to ask these good observation questions as it relates to the topic of justification. The question is justified by whom? Who is the one doing the justifying? What uh, is required to be justified? And who is the one being declared righteous or justified? <music> 